Yo, what's good? It's Vanessa Maria here and welcome back to another RA Exchange podcast episode. And today we are joined by Layla McKenzie, a Bristol-based events manager, promoter, co-author of Lady of the House and a pioneering woman in music. Layla has an extensive knowledge of the electronic music industry, in particular house music, its history and its evolution. She has coupled with this a comprehensive understanding of social, gender and racial equality. It's a pleasure to welcome her to the podcast today. Layla, how are you doing? Um, I'm good, thanks Vanessa, and I hope that you're all right today. And yeah, thanks for having me and um, looking forward to getting stuck into some juicy stuff today. No, definitely. And I think off off air we've been chatting a little bit, so it's been super interesting to hear about your, your journey or just like the beginnings of it. Um, but first of all, I just want to congratulate you on all the success of Lady of the House and the impact that it's having. I also saw that um, it started off as a book, championing women and honoring women in dance music, and it's now a cultural exhibition. How did it all start and like, where did the beginnings of the idea come from? So yeah, back in November 2020, when we were in the midst of the uh, big CP, as I call it, <laughs> the COVID pandemic, uh, seems like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? But um, yeah, we was, we was in the midst of that and, I had started to think about what am I going to do if you know we don't get if we don't get our life back our normal life back um and I'd already started doing a little bit of writing for Faith Fanzine and I'd never done any writing pieces before done loads of interviews as a promoter for 20 years but never actually been on the other side of the of the interview so um yeah Faith Fanzine um it basically relaunched so for those who don't know it was like a a massive music magazine during the 90s and then it phased out um but defected relaunched it with um the original collaborators including Terry Farley um and yeah Terry invited me to come and do some writing for it because they were very keen on getting women's perspectives um, as journalists so I interviewed um, and did a, a a middle page spread of Eats Everything it was a, a good friend of mine and Bristol Bristol guy as well so that was a really really good interview and we got really into what was happening uh, you know at that time and when I did that interview with him it was just off the back of um, when Black Lives Matter happened and obviously being in Bristol, you know, with Edward Colston being pulled down and, and I was there as well, you know, at the protest front and front, front, front and centre. Um, so we had a really good chat about that. And I also did another interview in that uh, magazine with Black Girl, White Girl as well, who were incredible. Um, and that was all about gender equality and um it was about what was happening in Israel and Palestine. And, you know, we got really, really deep into it. So my co-author of Lady of the House had also written in Faith and he'd seen my um, he'd seen my interviews and he hit me up in November 2020 and, you know, explained who he was. He's an author of uh, 30 books. He's done loads of music books. Um, Paul Weller's Style Council, Marshall Jefferson's Diary of a DJ. Um, He's done loads of like really thought-provoking books, you know, about black culture and white Britain and and loads of stuff. And 
extensive catalogue and he said yeah you know I'm an author and I'd like you to author a book with me about women in dance music and I was just blown away because I've been a woman in dance music for 20 years and felt very passionate about it so I snapped his offer up. So it was very organic and authentic in the way it started it was it was like two people came together and then the idea was born? Yeah yeah Definitely. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I'll i give creds where creds due and props where props due. He was the one that came to me, you know, and said that. But I don't think it would have happened without us coming together. And he feels the same as well. Um, he'd already done 46 interviews when he came to me. And I said, uh, so who have you done interviews with? And he started reeling off all these names like... Barbara Tucker, Jocelyn Brown, Candy Statton, Ultranati. And I was like, it sounds like you've written the book already. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, no, 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 there's loads of women. And I know there's loads of women, you know, and that was the exciting part of that first step of the journey was piecing together the jigsaw puzzle because obviously I know loads of women over the years and he also works in music. He's a DJ, producer, record label owner. So we both like had our ideas of who, we should be reaching out to. But what was really interesting is when we reached out to women, the first thing they'd say before they even bigged up their self was start bigging up their peers. They were like, oh, have you reached out to such and such a body and such and such a body? And it really showed me that this was the time because, mm -hmm. you know, women, they wasn't putting their self at the front and centre. They were trying to pull their sisters through the door as well you know and I just thought no this this is going to be something big and obviously it has been and you know we've we've got 150 stories in that book just over and we haven't even scratched the surface amazing so you've got over 150 stories why is it important to you to tell the stories of women in dance because you know the women in our scene have really been the backbone and the fabric of it you know they they have been the foundations of what turned it into just being you know a rave uh, or an illegal rave back in the 80s you know into being what it is today you know into a profitable um, business that's sustainable um, that gives people careers that gives people inspiration you know, and, and most of the people that were behind the organisational structure of that are women. You know, women like um, Lynn Cosgrave, who's in the book. And, you know, I take loads of mentoring advice and wisdom from her. She was, you know, the founder of Ministry of Sound Record label. And she was there at Ministry at the very start. You know, she founded Safe House Management. She was Carl Cox's manager for 22 years. You know, that's a, that's a lifetime. People like Maria May, who's the head of electronic at CAA. Again, another very, very um, good friend of mine. Absolute Don, you know, like David Getter's agent, Black Eyed Peas agent. She was Frankie Knuckles' representative, Paul Oakenfold's representative, you know, people like Caroline Prefero that was with David Getter at the start of his career, you know, when this business wasn't even a business. Um, people like Nikki Trax, who is even further back, who was there at the, you know, the original, when the first like Acid House rave started in, in London in like uh, 89. 
um, 89 time. Uh, And yeah, she run Confusion, which was a promotion at the time. And, you know, they, they were just like, really understanding what dance music was and the world didn't even know what it was then you know it just come over sounds had started coming over from America and Nikki was the first PR um, agent and promoter of, of that time to really like push it out there into the world and get people to understand that you know dance music's here as everybody got the memo. That is just hearing you speak then like it's incredible to hear these stories but it's also so clear um, how passionate you are and how knowledge- knowledgeable you are in that area um, and something that stands out to me is that you are yourself um, a woman in dance music um, who's also an inspiration and who's also creating change and putting efforts into bringing other women up with yourself what does it mean to you to be a woman in music um it's hard work <laughs> You know, like we were saying before, we jumped on here, um, you know, and I think the more intersectionality that that you have, you know, the, the harder the graft is. Um, you know, it's not right, but it's, it is the way it is at the moment. And hopefully, you know, as we've started levelling the playing field now for gender, we can start levelling it for that intersectionality. You know, that's something that's really forefront for me you know taking women that have come from low socioeconomic backgrounds that haven't had further education that might be single parents you know that that are coming that are coming from really you know disadvantaged council estates or taking uh you know black women brown women lbgtq women disabled women and and giving them that elevation is is that means a lot for me as a woman in dance now now i understand you know I think when I, when I, for years, I don't even think I understood the struggle that I was going through. You know, I think that I thought everybody was struggling in this industry because that's the way the industry is and, and it's hard. But, you know, some people, they have had, um, I wouldn't say a leg up because that's not the right, you know, w- w- word to say, but they've had, they had a head start at the starting line. And, you know, and that's fine because that's a reflection of the world as a whole. You know, we can't just blame that. That's not that's not dance music's fault. You know, that's the reflection. But one thing about dance music is, you know, the reason why it came about um, was because marginalized people didn't have anywhere to go. You know, they'd been kind of excluded from other places so they built and created their own scene and a lot of that energy came from women so I think it's very very important for us to preserve that that very special legacy and 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 it did get lost for a while but I think we're starting to bring it back now. You've mentioned that things have changed um, over the years that you've been in music. What are some of the the main changes that you've seen um, in the industry and what work is there still left to be done? I'm sure there's there's still (laughs) quite a lot, but um, it's interesting to hear about the changes you've seen. Yeah, so I get asked this question quite quite a lot and and I I don't think people think I'm going to give the answer what I'm going to give. So when I first started when I, I was 16 glass collecting in a in a club and um you know it was a, a club that everyone used to go to in Sheffield I'm from Sheffield originally um and you know it was a proper dance music club 
and I shouldn't have been glass collecting in there at 16, but I were a blagger, so, you know, uh, it were very different then. But, you know, all the women or all the people that worked in that club and did the main jobs were women. You know, we, women, there were women like heads on the door, women running the door, women running the bar, women running the club. Um, you know, it was, it, it, it was basically functioning by women. And I've seen that repeat itself a lot throughout them early years of my uh, career in, in the industry. But what I didn't see at the start then was there wasn't a lot of female artists, loads of vocalists, but you didn't really, you, you did see them at the club sometimes, but not as much as you'd, you know, see the DJ and have the focus on the DJ, I, I felt. But there wasn't a lot of women DJs, you know. They, they were obviously Lisa Louds, Lisa Lashes, Anne Savage, all these type. There were some types of women, but they were far and few between. Um, but then on the management side, it seemed like there were a lot of women. And then it kind of changed. And then it seemed like there were loads of women DJs and not a lot of women on the management side. But now I feel like it's starting to become more level in both you know which is a good which is a good thing um so that's definitely been a change and yeah I think another change is the awareness as well mm. I don't think you know when we would I mean I've not been as around as long as some of the women that I've mentioned okay so you know I can't speak it from the beginning I can only speak it from when I come in 20 years ago but I don't think we had the awareness then, you know, you know, there wasn't anything out there like Me Too campaign or there was just no awareness, you know, like the way that males acted towards females in the workplace, it was, it was the norm. It wasn't like, ooh, you know, he shouldn't be doing that or he shouldn't be trying to put his hand up his skirt or, you know, he shouldn't be saying, oh, you know, do you want to come back to mine after when actually, no, we're working like together. You shouldn't even be saying these things. It was the norm. Everybody just, nobody like battered an eyelid. So that's definitely changed. And it's great that we've got that awareness now, you know, and there's been a great educational piece because as weird as it is, if there's no awareness of that, then men have to be educated that that's actually inappropriate behavior because they thought that was appropriate back then. Definitely. I think, yeah, education and the awareness is, is definitely something that's changed. And I think when I talk to people younger than me, um, I'm always shocked and um, surprised by how like aware they are at such a young age. Maybe it's like social media or TikTok or the, you know, Gen Z being quite like political in some aspects but um like 14 year olds being like no do you know what I mean we need to we need to like bring representation into this school because the, the speakers that are here are not it's unacceptable and I've been hearing my my like my friends their siblings are like creating um like 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 structural reports for their schools and like stuff like that at such a young age and it's re it's really inspiring to see so it's nice to to hear that as well that things you know are beginning to change um, and you mentioned that you were you were glass collecting at 16, um, which is 
which was a few years ago. I, I wondered like from that moment, who are some of the people that you looked up to um, to get you to where you are now and where you, to a point where you were like, you know what, this is an industry that I want to pursue? It, it were a lot of men, I think. You know, even though there were a lot of women around. I mean, there were one woman in the um, club that I were glass collecting and it doesn't exist anymore, that club. Um, it were called Orkies back then, but... Um, yeah, there were one woman. There were two. There were two sisters actually, but they were one of the sisters. She were like real tough, you know. Like she was not to be messed with, you know. And she had like really like I don't know if she's even still around anymore. She had like really like bright blonde hair, and she was just like, you know, she was just tough. Like she was a door woman, and she didn't take no rubbish off anybody. Um, you know, I think I think as much as she used to get on my back a lot because I don't think she ever wanted me working in there because I wasn't old enough. <laughs> she had it in for me, but I felt she did. But actually, looking back, I think I probably looked up to her a little bit. And um, But yeah, the, the, other than that, I think it were mostly men in the workplace. I had women out of the workplace that I looked up to that were like on the party scene, you know? I, I had somebody that were like a bit like a mum to me on the party scene. and But in the workplace, it was mostly men. And... Um, I always laugh because when I was a little girl and I'm thinking about this other day, there used to be this club owner called Peter Stringfella and um, <laughs> he owned all these like um, lap dancing clubs. And I mean, I don't know, he must, I must have saw him on the news or something one day and he was like classed as like an entrepreneur, you know, and he was a man and he had all these lap dancing clubs and he were all glamorous. And I looked at him and I thought, ooh, I'd like to be like him, but I don't like know where I would have got that from. So maybe that's why I started working in clubs. I, I don't, I really don't know. But yeah, it was funny because the most role models I've had have come later on in my life, mm. which is probably why I've become much more conscious of how I work in the industry where when I was younger, I was told, you know, it was just a party. You know, it was just it was just something that I did and and I did it for so long that I didn't know how to do anything else, I guess. But as I've got older, you know, have had role models that are consistently coming into my life, you know, loads through Lady of the House and, you know, other people, men and women I've met along the way um, that have all been considerably older than me as well. And I think that's really important to have people that have been around longer than you that have been been through it to kind of give you that perspective and you know it helps you to it just helps you to know that there's somebody else that's experienced what you have you know when you feel like oh I'm the only one that's going through this yeah. but then you speak to someone else and they were like no 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 this is just what happens and this is how you deal with it no it's so true it's like having like a like an older older brother a career brother a career sister or something <laughs> a sibling to like help you through um yeah I think about my mentors all the time and it's so, it's just so nice to have someone there to like bring that wisdom um and you mentioned like lady of the house being a source of like support um and places where you found people that can give you that wisdom it sounds like it's almost like a, a sense of like community 
Um, and I know that you're based in Bristol as well. And that's something, that's a city that I always associate with like a strong sense of community. Um, you mentioned like the statue being pulled down and like people being able to do that together, um, like united. Um, so I wonder like what community means to you? Community means to me, you know, many things. It's about respecting the past, you know, for all it's good and all it's bad because nothing is ever just one thing. And, you know, I think this is a very um, new generational thing where, you know, we're trying to wipe out the, 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 the negatives all the time. You know, it's, it's good to know the negatives and to remember them and, you know, not celebrate them, but just be aware of them because that, that's how you move forward by looking back at what went wrong you know, and making sure that mistakes aren't made again. Um, you know, definitely celebrating the past and the legacy, preserving the legacy is so important. You know, I feel that I have so many conversations with people that have been around a long time um, and they keep saying, you know, oh, how do we move things on? How do we move things on? And, you know, they're so want to like rush to, you know, well, when are we going to stop talking about the past and look to the future? And it's like, but why do we have to stop talking about the past? You know, when we stop talking about the past, we start erasing really important, you know, um, achievements out of it. And that's how things can get whitewashed as well. You know, not in the sense of black and white, just just any anything washed over and, and, and rewritten. And, you know, I guess in some ways as well, Lady of the House has rewritten the narrative because the narrative, it wasn't the truth as well. You know, it, it, it was very male dominated, the narrative. And it was all about, you know, the, the male achievements, which have been absolutely amazing. You know, when you look at all the greats that we've had and they've all been through their struggles, too but there was no mention of the women's narrative and their achievements. So it's okay to add in bits to history, but we must never forget history. Um, community to me is coming together and supporting each other, but genuinely supporting each other, not just doing it because it's the in trend, you know, black history month isn't just, shouldn't just be one month. Women's history month shouldn't just be one month. You know, it, it's just drawing um, a focus and attention to it, but we should genuinely want to keep supporting each other. I mean, key example, um, a few weeks ago, um, somebody's, some an artist's agent said to me that this particular artist couldn't be involved in celebrating, championing and honouring women in dance music because they were non-binary. And I said, that's ridiculous. Everybody should celebrate each other, regardless of creed, gender, ethnicity, religion, age, whatever. When we get into this mentality, which dance music is actually about, unity, you know, we can each celebrate each other's achievements, differences, similarities, you know, it doesn't have to be segregated and separate. We want men to come and celebrate women. And we also want to celebrate men. We want to celebrate non-binary people. We want them to celebrate us, you know. 
It's about lifting each other. Um, it's about, you know, giving and receiving. It's not just one, one group of people can't just keep giving, giving, giving. It's got to be a two-way exchange. And I think it's about opening these forums for discussion and really speaking to each other about what each other's needs and wants are and meeting in the middle. I think that's what community is. When you just said like meeting in the middle, it, remi it reminded me of like having a healthy relationship with someone. It's like you've got to have compromise and you've got to work together to achieve like a shared goal. Um, and when you were speaking about community, that's like what I got from it, which was it's really nice because it it should feel like a, a healthy relationship that we have with one another within a certain scene or space because sometimes it's not like that and it's hard to agree on everything but that's not really the point of it is the the point is it let's get to a, a space where we can actually like move forward um and like celebrate what we do agree on but then you know accept that there's going to be things that we're not all going to have the same ideas about but um it's nice that you always you brought it back to like unity um, and that's something that I'm like, I'm really passionate about myself. Um, what, who are the people that um, you feel are changing dance music? There's a lot of people that are changing it. I, I, I think not always are they even aware that they're changing it, you know? Um, and equally, there's a lot of people that are damaging it. And I don't think that they're consciously aware that they're damaging it as well. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot that's just happening by, I think everyone's intentions are good right now. You know, I think we're moving into a, a time and a, and a reality where everybody is moving with what they believe to be good intention, but it's not always the right thing for the scene or the music. Um, I mean, in terms of people that are changing it for the better, Jaguar's doing amazing stuff. You know, it's, Jaguar's a person um, that I look at and I've told, told them this before that, you know, they give me hope for the future because, because you know, Jaguar's got so much intersectionality going on there and so many people can look, look to them to be inspired that they're represented here, you know. Um, so, yeah, props, props to Jag. Um, defected I mean you know they they do what they stand for they 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 say in our house we are all equal and they make sure that look you don't get everything right all the time nobody does I get things wrong people tell me I get things wrong I have to apologize you know but as long as you're the majority of the things that you're doing, you're doing right. And I think the majority of things that they're doing, they're doing right. You know, they're celebrating LBGTQ, they're celebrating black and brown people, they're celebrating women. You know, they're sending out the message on a mass platform as a commercial entity because they are the commercial record label that in our house we are all equal, you know. Um, the support that we've got with Lady of the House and all the people that have supported it, I really believe that, you know, they've done the support from the genuine, you know, wanting things to change and be better, the playing field be level. I think it was a difficult one for some people to understand, um, you know, that I, so for instance, with the book, 
we didn't want one overall sponsor. We wanted all the brands to come together and do it together. And there was a very specific reason for that because, you know, dance music, it is a commercial business. It is a, it's, it's, it's gone past commerciality now. It's become corporate. It is corporate. Um, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic and what has to be implemented to make sure that the infrastructure rebuilds, you know, that there is, you know, even a level of government support involved in 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 our scene now. Whereas, you know, in the 80s, if you asked an acid house rave, oh yeah, yeah, the government's going to come and buy into your rave. You know, they were against the establishment. You know, it's done full circle here. But underneath all that commerciality, you know, corporization, all, all of these kind of words that we dis like wanted to disassociate from. Mm. Um, there, like you know, I keep bringing it back to unity. It's very important to um, what's the word I'm looking for to keep reflecting the unity. So that's why it was important to have lots of sponsors rather than just one, because you know, dance music can. It, it, the scene can be very egotistical and we can all get lost in it. Each of us with our own mission, our own business, we all want to be the best. It's very competitive, you know. So just to get people to even just let go a little bit of that ego and control and just, you know, look, your brands might be um, competitors, but just for this one cause, let's just all come together, you know, and it worked. And I hope that, people can take a little bit of that spirit and keep incorporating it into into the like everyday working practices I think that's amazing I, and I, I've always yeah I've always felt that way as well because there's where we where are we going like it's like where are we going because <laughs> what is the end goal um for everyone it's like we we will get there sooner if everyone just worked together um and we're all in the same industry like we're we're in the UK music industry. Do you know what I mean? It's like dance music. Is the, there's there's shared vision, um, so it it makes sense for people to want to hop onto a mission um, on a mission together. And it's nice to see that someone like yourself is almost like the glue. It feels like it feels like like the glue bringing bringing all these places and people together, um, which is yeah, it's just it's just really nice. Um, and in your work, you come across as quite a multidisciplinary person. Um, you have multiple hats that you put on whether it's being a promoter, a manager, um, running lady of the house, business owner, how do you manage your time and how do you get everything done? Uh, I think, I, I think, you know, I don't think being like this is for everybody, mm. you know, and that's the truth. I don't, I don't think it is. Um, I think set, set, set types of people are set types of ways aren't they you know I think you know this is a story for another day and maybe another book but I went through a lot of things in in my childhood and my early teens you know I told you earlier I am a single parent to two children um a 16 and a 14 year old so they've been with me throughout the whole of the music industry I had my kids really young I come from very very deprived um disadvantaged background you know and I didn't have anybody or anything you know and I think that's why I made dance music my life um I think I've always worked in survival mode you know I've always felt like I'm constantly on high alert and 
you know, I'm, I pay really keen attention to detail and, you know, that's because of, that's the trauma response, you know, it's not coming from, it's not coming from a healthy place, but I've managed to channel it. I've managed to channel, you know, the trauma um, and abuse and, you know, really, really crap start that I had in life. I've managed to take it and channel it into something positive. Um, is it coming from a healthy place? No. Um, yes, I get very burnt out, you know, and I have to find coping techniques um, for that. You know, if you speak to my office, they'll tell you that I'm as mad as a box of frogs, you know, and I probably am. But what I, how, how I find I can wear many hats at the same time is because underneath it, I always keep the same undercover, you know, that I want to do my best, make an impact on the world. You know, I try to put my own self, self, fishness to the side but find a balance with you know like we were saying earlier before we started the not overgiving and the boundaries and you know I I have to sometimes I have to I've only just started learning this where I have to withdraw as well you know like sometimes I might just say right I down everything and for like two days I'm not going to even look at anything until my mind's refocused um I, I look, I would always advise people to try many different things because, you know, variety is the spice of life. But sometimes I do think because I've tried a bit of everything, maybe have I become a jack of all trades and a master of none? I don't know, you know? <laughs> no, I feel like variety is definitely the spice of life. Um, and as you said, everyone's so different. So it works for some people and other things work for others um and I think you know someone once told me that in life um what's important is that you have a why and the what and the how isn't really important because you'll just make it happen um and what you're doing will change but your why will be the thing that's pushing you forward um and helping you to like find direction in every space or place that you end up in um do you feel like you found your why within dance music yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, we aren't getting into it too much on this because it is another story for another day. You know, my my life's been very different to a lot of people who I know, you know, and it's 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 not it's not been a pretty life, you know. It's not it's it's been very painful, very traumatic, and I'm still coming to terms with a lot of it now. You know, like having to do some deep inner work, and I've been doing that work for quite a while, and it's it's still ongoing. I always think that if I didn't have dance music, I, I do think it's been my saviour. You know, as much as probably in my early years, it was also a bit of my demon because, I, you know, I was an original party animal. And, you know, I had some absolutely great times like we all did back then. But, you know, was that amount of... Um, drug abuse and alcohol abuse, was that, was that, you know, what did that do to my mind? You know, it, 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 I was doing it from a very young age, so it definitely damaged it. You know, it definitely that mixed in with trauma, it, it caused a lot of damage. But I think underneath all that, you know, the actual essence of dance music and that it gave me a family and it gave me the family that I didn't have that I, I, I so craved, you know, and so wanted, like without even knowing that I wanted it, you know, because I never had it. Mm. 
but it gave me that feeling of belonging. You know, I guess like what football does for some people or, you know, in a toxic way, what gangs do for people or, you know, it gave, it's that we all want to belong, don't we? We all want to feel like we're part of something. And if we don't get that in the place where we're supposed to get it in our primary years, we'll go out and we'll look for it. And I think that's why I attached myself to dance music. And, you know, the people in this industry, some of them, you know, I've known for 15, 20 years plus, they they are my family, you know, they are my family. And that's why I'm very protective over, um, you know, the, the legacy side of things, because I think it was that foundation, that feeling of, you know, you're part of our family. We have lost that a little bit, you know, I think for this next generation, I don't feel that that energy is there anymore, how it used to be. So I think we definitely need to get that back. But yeah, I didn't make it my why, it just become, you know what I mean? It just become it, it become part of me and I become part of it, you know? And now I don't think we could ever separate. <laughs> <laughs> you are with the music, you're one with the music. Um, no, I relate heavily to what you're saying as well, with like a disruptive, like like ch early childhood. And I feel like music is also, it's become my, like my savior and um, I can see like how it's it's formed like a home and like it's almost like a for me it's like a safety net it brings me a lot of like security um which is why I feel like I'm always like putting my head into it because I'm like oh it's giving me so much like joy um that I haven't been able to find so um it's yeah I relate to what you're you're saying um and lady of the house um, talking about homes, we have a house and the home that you are building yourself. Um, I know that it started out, started out as a book, but there's actually a cultural exhibition happening for International Women's Day. Do you want to say a little bit more about that and where people can go to find tickets? Yeah, so yeah, like I said, the book started, you know, in the pandemic and then we kind of like started understanding as we were writing the book, you know, that as I said earlier, that there was this like need you know, for this, you could just see it, you could feel it, you know, just not even just coming from women, coming from men as well. You know, I'd be hitting up some of the men in the scene, you know, that have been around for like 15, 20 years. And Carl's done the foreword, Carl Cox, you know, and he outlines in the foreword of the book, all the women that were behind him. And I just started thinking like, there's nothing like this. There's, there is not nothing here and it's definitely needed. So we started making this manifesto up to celebrate, champion and honour women in dance music and beyond. And then looking at the ways that we could do that. Um, we did many things in the last 12 months. We did a, a safety and inclusion report with the uh, Nighttime Industries Association. That's, uh, you know, been taken up now to governmental level. We um, did a partnership with the V&A on their club culture installation um, exhibition. And then we started getting invited to speak on panels and curate panels. So we did a really good one at Brighton Music Conference with Rowetta and Kathy Brown, um, amongst some other legends. And um, then we did one with Jag and Sam Divine with Ministry. I did some stuff with ADE and the conversations that were coming out of it was almost like the natural um, progression from the stories because now they're getting spoken instead of just read, you know, and then people are having this discussion where they're questioning each other. So, yeah, the, the, it just kind of just seemed like 
the next step to take was to take this on on the road. So we made the exhibition. It's taking place uh, in Bristol at Lost Horizon. Um, and the Lost Horizon, it seemed like a natural partnership because uh, it's, that's made by the team that do Shangri-La in Glastonbury. Mm. So they're all about social messaging. So, yeah, um, it starts on the 8th of March, International Women's Day, which is also the anniversary of the Kickstarter for Lady of the House, the crowdfunder. Um, and the first day is going to be open only to under-18s. Um, and it's like a series of panels, workshops, um, forums, chats. Uh, then it's open on the 10th of March, um, and that's more set up and geared up towards kind of like emerging emerging talent coming to here, industry professionals, some of the women that I mentioned earlier, um, and men, you know, we've got Eats Everything on there. We've got Mike Curl. We've got George Fleming from Save Our Scene. You know, we've got some great men on there speaking about women's achievements and also how to navigate a career in, in, in electronic music. It's going to be really, really eye-opening and, you know, valuable. And then on the 12th of March, that's going to be more focused at public so for fans to get behind you know their artists and understand you know what goes on past the decks or as Barbara Tucker will always say when the mic goes down what comes next you know it's like <laughs> I love her so uh, yeah Barbara's going to be speaking on that day and Nicole Mudabar, Shermanology we've got Lakota I know you're hosting um, some panels as well we've got Lakota talking about what it means to be a black and brown woman in the industry and we've got so many great women involved we've got Jaguar, Sarah Storey, Anya Snyder um, Lisa Lashes, Amy L, just a really broad spectrum of women and men that, you know, are really going to lay it down for three days um, to get behind women's contribution in dance music. So uh, tickets are available on RA as well for this. You know, RA's really got behind and helped support. And, you know, I would just urge anybody that's got an interest and a focus to learn more about dance music, its history, the contribution of women, you know, the achievements, the struggles, just all the good, bad and ugly sides of it to come down. And if you can't get down, we are going to be streaming some of the panels um, via the Lady of the House Facebook. Um, not all of them, some of them will be exclusive to in-person. And there's also going to be a very special holographic performance of Barbara Tucker. On stage, we're going to be beaming her in live from Atlanta and she's going to appear as a hologram on stage. And then that's followed by an after party um, led by Charlie T. So it's going to be great. I'm excited. I can't wait to come down. Um, I didn't know about the hologram, so I'm, I'm very gassed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's no you know what I've never done anything like this before neither has Barbara um so we're really excited and um I, I don't really think it's been as far as I know I don't think it's been done in dance music yet either oh, okay. um not 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 beamed in front of a live audience on stage 
um, actually happening live. So yeah, I'm really excited. No, I can't wait. Leila, it's been so lovely to speak with you today. And thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing the beginnings of Lady of the House. And I'm really looking forward to coming down as well in March and celebrating all the amazing women who you've mentioned and profiled in your book as well. And to wrap up, I just wanted to ask you if you could make one prediction for the future of dance music, what would it be? It's never going to die. That is, re- <laughs> that is actually really good. Let me look in the crystal ball. <laughs> that is actually a really It's never going to die. It is never going to die. Long live dance music forever. Thank you, Leila. Um, it's been a pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you so much, Vanessa. Thanks to Ray and everyone listening. Bye.